Welcome, bienvenue, konnichiwa, ni hao, jambo, marhaba. It's time for the Arms Inquisition yet again, episode 244 on Sunday, the 21st of August, 2022. I'm Amish Phil. I'm Amish Matt. Uh, no Amish Ben this week, he's uh, nominating no. a field somewhere, isn't he? I believe so, yes. Yeah, no fear. We've got Nikki Anna Johns with us tonight. How are we doing, Nikki? Good, hi guys. Hi. It's uh, nice Pleased to be here. Yeah, nice to meet you at last. Um, I think I reached out to you, didn't I, over Twitter, because, um, I don't know, I guess it was on Twitter where I first um, saw you, and um, then I went to, I found your YouTube channel, and then your website, and just looking at your website, you seem to be interested in all the same subjects as us, so it sort of made sense to to uh, meet up. Yeah, I mean, it seems like we got some of the same people we've interviewed, and uh, yeah, like, you guys are also are interested in, um, well, I don't know. My, my current passion this whole year has been, uh, it used to be UFOs, which I still like UFOs, but I'm not really, I mean, this now I'm more into the megaliths. I'm like super like, Whoa, what is going on with all, you know, like the nubs and the, like all the, the general hallmarks that are everywhere. And I like giants a lot right now too. So I don't know. Those are kind of my current. Yeah crushes or uh, deep dives we've yeah. got uh, we've got matt apocalypse and ziggy dan in the chat already cracky they're keen wow. keen them too aren't they yeah uh, sp- hey, ziggy. Oh, speaking of ziggy um oh my gosh you, you've been um uh what would you say experimenting with live streaming recently oh, yeah i have yeah that was an ordeal we we uh it took us like four hours to finally get live. And then we oh. did do a live stream and we were trying to get everybody's channel live, but it only went live on mine and it was still good though. And yeah, I did a live stream with uh wondering wolf, Mike and Ziggy Dan together. And we, we talked some shit about history. So that was fun. Yeah. yeah. I think it was, was it last week or the week before? And I think it was a Friday night and I was just um, getting ready, ready to put the kids to bed. And I got a DM off uh, Ziggy Dan. And he was like, um, trying to stream on YouTube. Got any advice? I was like, how long have you got? It's like, it's a minefield. And um, so we thought we could do it directly from YouTube, but that's not possible. And I don't understand, like, that doesn't even behoove YouTube for that not to be something that you can do. You know, it's very, and, and if you can do it, you can't just do it with multiple. Yeah, people so yeah. yeah 
No, you can't stream Zoom direct to YouTube without having a paid Zoom thing we were talking about before. Um, right. But um, I thought Ziggy was just trying to set up, like, do a live stream for his subscribers or something. And... Uh, Forgot about it, and then I woke up the next morning. That's when I saw the uh, YouTuber had recommended your video with um, Ziggy and the Wandering Wolf. Wow, I'm surprised they recommend videos now. They seem to just recommend, like, you know, cats, cat yeah, videos, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> the Weather Channel. Yeah, but it's it's um, it's cool how this sort of uh, community is connected. I, I wasn't familiar with Mike up until very recently oh yeah mike's great like he's he actually is very foot on or boots on the ground like he's gone to so many of the actual sites like i mean china like shang i mean some of some of the places he's gone are like this uh i don't know anybody else who's gone to as many places as he has so it's he's really impressive if you like start going through the back catalog of all of his footage and he's you know big drone flyer so he gets in there and flies a bunch of stuff and angles that you know, a lot of people don't get. So I, his stuff's very impressive. I highly check, highly recommend checking out Wondering Wolf Mike. He's, yeah. Yeah. He's cool. I'll, I'd invite him on our show, but I think I'd be, just be a gibbering wreck, Matt. <laughs> he would probably do it. He loves this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. he's such a dreamboat, Matt. Is he really? Honestly. What was the other, what was the other guy that was a dreamboat <laughs> that we had on? I was just going to say, like, he's hotter than Ken Ami. Oh, is he as intense, though? That's the thing. He's, he's got the same, like, piercing blue eyes that are like a, it's like a window <laughs> yeah. into your soul. <laughs> I think, I think Kenami was the most intense and, I don't know, solemn person I've ever spoken to in my entire life. So it's a, it is a big, or oh, some big shoes to kind of fill that fill. Yeah, and he was, uh, he was a giant debunker as well. You might be. Uh, Who you is this? Who you is might this be interested, Nikki. It's called Ken Ami. It must be nearly two years ago, is it? Eighteen months ago, maybe when we had him. Maybe, yeah, I think so. But he he's big into like the Old Testament, and and you know the like the Nephilim giant connection. People, uh, um, yeah, yeah. Or um, what's the uh, the guy who David killed? Goliath, Goliath, <laughs> and. <laughs> This, this so side. he's into like the non-skeletal, like like the twenty-five foot ones or whatever, like the giant. He he just looks at it purely from like a biblical textual perspective, and mm. and like mm. the um, he was talking about Rephaim and Anakim and all these Hebrew words and what they really mean, and basically basically he's not buying any of it. Uh, from the biblical perspective, I mean, whether he believes that Smithsonian's hoarding giant bones or not, maybe he does. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's also, you know, like that, what's his, like Michael Tellinger in South Africa has, you know, like he'll be like, oh, this is a fossilized footprint. It's like bigger than his body. And, you know, you're kind of like, hey, I guess it looks like a footprint, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, um, uh, the the really 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 like twenty five foot giants, I want them to exist. I don't know that they do exist, but I want them to exist. Uh, but I guess for me, I guess you know, if sloths were twenty foot only ten thousand years ago, then I don't know. Maybe humans could have been super huge at some point too. And, and like I had. Um, I had Hugh Newman and Jim Vieira on my show recently and they're like, they've written a bunch of books about giants. And, um, 
you know, like the giant experts, but they're very hardcore on, you know, as much evidence as they can get and or, you know, where their line of research comes from. And they kind of said that one of the biggest problems is it's not like these people were preserving themselves like the Egyptian mummies or something. A lot of the bones, if, as soon as they're found, they disintegrate like they're, they're not preserved well. So that could be another just point of, of you know, something to keep in mind. Yeah. What's the guarantee that I mean, because it's only like fossils that they find over a certain time period isn't it you don't actually find the bones i mean i think well saying that i don't know what about these ancient human skeletons or bones well, that are that's, like- that's the thing is it's like okay like like let's say you're a cow and you die in a field today and you, uh, vultures are going to eat you birds like the worms all this stuff like like four years from now like farmers like running around it's like a pile of weird bones and then whatever it just gets trampled on and it's gone with the wind you have to have the right conditions of burial and like you know like a lot of these places with super, I like to dig dinosaur bones and stuff. I can actually, I have found some like dinosaur teeth that are like super big and huge that are awesome. But wow. anyway, um, like you have to have the right conditions in order for the preservation of even the fossil to be made. Like it has to be buried and like, uh, you know, if it's just left to the elements, like nothing awesome is going to happen to it. Eventually it won't be here in, if, 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 it, if the body's just out and left to the elements, unless it's in a desert somewhere, like the Atacama Desert or something, you're you're gonna you're not gonna be there in like a hundred years. So that's something wow. to consider. Yeah, well, I remember reading somewhere about cars that like um, steel and stuff will rust away to nothing in in pretty short order. You know, a few thousand years, it'll be it'll be dust. There'll be nothing left of it kind of um, plays into that sort of... I don't know how far to go on the lost civilization stuff because you're, you're a big fan of like Atlantis and stuff as well, aren't you, Nikki? You were showing yeah, me the, yeah. the books. You got like a half a dozen Atlantis books recently, didn't you? Yeah, I did. And I'm, I and so with me, with Atlantis, um, you know, I have a lot of people talk... I mean, I talk a lot. I've read all the Plato stuff, all that. I don't really care. So, I mean, Plato's cool. is great, whatever, whatever. But that's... No Atlantis, we can just call it... We can call it Atlantis because I just think that means... Like, what we really can definitively say that there is actual evidence for... If are the kind of evidence that I, uh, that is, is, is convincing enough for me is these hallmarks that are on all these buildings across the world. Like the, like nubs, like nubs can be found in um, like so many countries, every continent basically. Mm. And so can like these giant megalithic stones that are too big to move by our conventional means now. So how did they do it then? And uh, like, so what that means to me, when you start looking at the fact that and still tell you this one's a thousand years old and this one's 10,000 years old and blah, blah, blah. You can't date stone. Don't listen to it. I, I, I just have to kind of throw dates out and you know, you don't have to, but that's what I'm doing. And like, the thing is there are 
there's commonalities between all these building techniques around the world before they're saying that we had globalization, like before we're supposedly sailing the oceans and this kind of stuff. And that's huge. And to me, I want to start going calling that like, okay, well, if if the only word we have for this kind of pre-diluvian sort of situation that they're talking about is Atlantis, then by all means, like, let's just call this like the giant Atlantis culture. I don't care. Like, but the actual concentric circle capital, like, where is that? Like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, like I, I think it's cool. It could be the Rishad. It could be the Azores. It could be um, Doggerland. It could be Sandsbury. It could be where I don't care. Like what I care about is the fact that there really is evidence that we were, we had a higher technology that we don't have right now. Like we can't build the pyramids right now. And anybody who's talks like we can, they just haven't been there and they don't know what they're talking about. Mm. That's, I mean, yeah. the, you, um, just going back to uh, Mike, the wandering wolf. Um, the first video I saw of his was the, the one you, I think you mentioned it, the China one, the, uh, yeah. the quarry, what's it called? The, uh, Yong Xing, Yong, I can't say it. It's like Yong uh, Yong, Yong Shang, the, um, unif- unfinished deli. Did you hear, yeah, did you is- see that one? I mean, Honestly, Mike, you, sh- you need to watch this. It makes these three stones, so that they're unfinished, fair enough, but they make Baalbek look like Lego bricks. Well, yeah. yeah. I was, I've was just been, re- I've been reading um, Fingerprints of the Gods, and that's, I think, when he, the bit that he was writing is nearly 30 years old, but um, he was saying, I think it was at the, is it the necropolis outside the Sphinx or the temple complex outside the Sphinx? There's like, um, megaliths there that are 200 tons. And, and, and like, this is why I was saying it's written 30 years ago, but he basically said that was, there's two cranes in the world that can lift that weight with a counterweight of 160 tons. Right. Um, I think like aren't Boeing seven thirty sevens or like like or, or, or most standard airplane aren't they like a hundred a hundred tons or hundred fifty tons or something like to put things in perspective, they're it, yeah. you're, you're kind of going like that's you know a ton is two thousand pounds. This it, it, when you start going into this these numbers that, that we don't even if you do have um, and I've talked about this on many of my programs is like even if you do have the ability to lift the stones how are you gonna we don't currently have like the kind of trucks that could you could put a boeing on just by itself and then move it somewhere Mm. i mean it's it's not yeah that's it isn't it basically yeah so yeah but you know i suppose it's how did they quarry it how do they move it and there's no there's no real answers like the main thing is ramps isn't it and then you know the length of the ramps in order to have it an angle at which you could actually push a block up to the top of the pyramid is like ridiculously long. It just, it just all becomes. Well, stupid. and then they'll be like, Oh, well, and then they did, they did these waterways. They built it with these. Water. I'm like, Oh, did it? well, where's the proof of these waterways? Like, where's the, I, I mean, or where, where are your, your giant ramps or your giant mm. pulley systems and your giant cranes? Like, you know, you have, you have your little beautiful boat that you buried next to the wooden boat that you buried next to the pyramid. Like, why didn't you ever, you know, nothing else ever like li- lived? It's just kind of weird. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's a, it's a question of scale, really. Um, uh, the Romans were good at moving heavy shit mm-hmm. uh, with cranes. You know, they moved, um, 
those big they they nicks loads of um, loads yeah. of monoliths from uh, granite monoliths from Egypt, you know, and well, pull, pull and them in Rome have, and whatnot. But well, again, Roman concrete is still like superior it's pretty badass so yeah there's still some in our country about 100 miles north it's a big wall that hadrian built adrian's wall yeah and there's mm-hmm. still plenty of it still plenty of it there you can see but like the you're talking about the the blocks at uh geyser 200 tons mm. Malbec, we're talking a thousand tons that's mm. like that's it's an order of magnitude basically and I remember when I first learned about Baalbek, I looked at what was the heaviest lifting crane that existed. And it was a Chinese shipping crane. And it was a crane um, at a port that could lift a thousand tons. But it was stationary. So it was like a, a massive frame that a boat would go under and then the crane would just lift it up and drop it. Wouldn't swing it around or lift it and, you know, put it somewhere else. It, that's all it did was lift it straight up. And straight down. But those stones at Yang Shang, the unfinished steli, um, apparently... Yeah, they're crazy. And they have nubs. They have nubs on them. <laughs> the, the, as far as I know, the, the Chinese steli were built in like three pieces. So you had like a base and then like a column and then like a headstone or a capstone. And if I remember right, the capstone alone, the smallest piece, was 6,000 tons. And and they they were planning to lift that <laughs> like two hundred feet into the air to put on top a six thousand ton block, and the yeah, whole like, thing. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to go. Okay, so six thousand times two thousand. That's that's uh, you know there that's that's that in pounds. Twelve million pounds. <laughs> Twelve million pounds. Okay. That, yeah. Sure. But that's a small bit. The whole thing altogether, if it would, if it had been um, constructed, would have weighed. I think it was over thirty thousand tons. It's it's insane. There's no. I don't get it. I don't get yeah. the audacity to even attempt it. They obviously thought. They obviously thought they could do it. Well, and that's what makes you start start thinking like outside the box on like, wait, what is going on and who did this and where are they? And so I, you know, I used to go down the ancient aliens sort of rabbit hole. And then I just was like, that's just as much of a, as a theory and a fairy tale as anything else. Like, oh yes, I come from this digital art piece over here. And then, uh, I don't know. So now I think I, um, but have you guys dug into the inner earth stuff? hollow earth the hollow yeah or yeah hollow earth inner earth not 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 necessarily that the whole earth is hollow but just that like there's like a network of like maybe things live there or underneath everything or whatever like that's where the i don't know for me i think that you don't i don't know i think that something else coexists with us on this planet and it doesn't necessarily have to be from another planet it could be from this planet too it's just that um uh I just don't know. I don't think you like have the ability to build something like sexy woman or whatever. And then you just go out with a bang. Just, are you just, you're just like, Oh, okay. Well, um, bye. I think that they, like, I don't know. I think there's these really, I think they live somewhere else still. There you go. I've, I've looked, uh, I've not done any like in depth research or anything, but I have seen videos about these underground cave structures that seem to be 
pretty much everywhere. And they have, again, similar sort of construction methods. They look the same, whether they're in Turkey or Spain or the UK. And yeah. uh, that's something I'd, I'd probably need to look into. In fact, Matt, weren't we going to get someone who's like a, an underground urban explorer once upon a time? Do you remember that? <laughs> Vaguely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that worked out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know, because, again, it's it's all stone, you see. It's all made of stone, so we don't know. Do we have a good handle oh. on when these were built or, you know, when they were occupied? I don't know. You have, like, you have like Turkey, Deer, and Kuru. But, I mean, even just, like, the cave systems um, uh, that exists in like south like in mexico like that have all the cenotes which are like the underground rivers and stuff they're all connected and like there's so like even in the americas like we have our cave systems underneath the ground are just like mammoth cave alone like all the things that can connect by caves you're just going like there's a world within the world you know man like there's a whole other thing that could exist that we don't know but then there's there's stories you know there's like dolce new mexico when they're like digging and then they found some crazy ant people and they like were shooting each other and they you know then there's there's like stories like there's um i can't remember the name it's like somewhere in the uk where in the I don't know, like the 15 to 16, 1700s. I don't really know. Some couple of three, two, 300 years ago, some like green kids like walked out of the, of the, of the cave and they, the boy died like in like, I don't know, a couple of years. And then the girl lived to be an adult and her skin started becoming regular color and she like had kids and stuff. And they said that they lived underground and like, like there's, there's legends of like this kind of stuff all over the world about like um and then you have like admiral bird who you know there's like the story of him going like into both poles and there's Ad- being... adderall adderall bird adderall adderall admiral 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 bird i'm texan and i can't speak that well <laughs> so what's what's the Adm- admiral bird story um, so, uh, he was the first dude to go to both the North and the South pole. And he was a, 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 a general or admiral, whatever. And he flew into the South pole and said, and I think the North pole, I don't know. I think it's the South pole is the one that, um, anyway, he claims that there is a entrance into inside the earth and that giants live there uh, and beings. And that he like hung out with them for a couple hours and then left. And then he like wrote a book about it and like released it on his deathbed. People are like, yeah, that's a little bogus. But then, but then there's, there's, that's not it. There's like so many stories. There's like this, what's called like uh, the smoky gods or something. And it's like this Norwegian uh, dad and son who, who got lost in the, tides and they ended up going through the north pole and into inside the earth through there and then they exited maybe the south pole or something like eight nine years later and they lived with a bunch of giants there and there's all kinds of different stories that you start hearing about this stuff or you start hearing about like shambhala which is what um supposedly the tibetan like that's that's what like the dalai lama's supposedly connecting to is he's protect he's like the uh intermediary intermediary between um the shambhala world and our world which is like a 
kind of like another dimensional world, but they also have, I've also heard it described as like inside the Tibetan mountains, like in caves, there is a whole, uh, what is the name of the capital? Can't even think of it right now, but, um, yeah, like a, a there's anyway, I like, I start looking into that's like a rabbit hole I'm on right now as well. It's a good rabbit hole. You should get into it. Well, going thinking of Admiral Byrd, I was reading um, a Britannica encyclopedia entry from 1947 the other day, as you do. And mm-hmm. they were talking about Byrd's expedition. And he said it was weird. It was something like they found like an inland oasis with muddy lakes yeah. and um, a lake or, a, or a, a recess that was miles deep. Is that in Antarctica? In Antarctica. Uh-huh. It was wild because because we have this sort of, we have different theories about, you know, it's sort of militarised now. You can't go there. You can't fly over it. It's yeah. like... Um, that kind of um, links to the think of Prince of the Gods again in terms of, you know, the first bits about the mystery of the maps. And when you look at like sort of like these old maps that allegedly were copied in like in like the 14th and the 15th century from earlier maps, um, in the middle of Antarctica, there's often depicted to be a lake or an inlet. Um, so, I don't know, bit of a link there. Yeah, that was the Piri Reese map, wasn't it, Nikki? Yeah, the Piri Yeah, I mean, one of the them. famous yeah. ones. Mm. I, I do think that... Uh, Antarctica is a huge myth. It's so weird to like, we're like, oh, yeah, we're going to go colonize Mars. And I'm like, oh, really? Why don't you colonize like all the continents on your own planet first? Or like, like we don't even like, uh, uh, ha- I, I'm just, I just think it's funny that like, it's great. Like go, go colonize Mars. I don't care. But what I'm saying is that yet we, we, we don't even, I think 4,000 people visit Antarctica a year and you have to be on a research vessel and, or pay like, like I have a friend who who just got back from Antarctica and, um, I don't know, like 15 grand or 20 grand he had to pay to get on some, like, like it's, it's not just like anybody and their mama's dog can, I guess if you want to save up that much money can go, but it's, and even like when I was talking to him about it, you're on the boat and it's just like, yes, and that is an iceberg that is a penguin and that you know it's not like you get to really do real exploring on this place it's very very controlled and that's weird yeah that's what i've heard it's like there's a moratorium on uh exploring they won't just let anyone go there i don't know i don't this is probably nonsense but i remember someone i don't know if it was on the podcast or not saying that like, you'll get shot out of the sky if you try and fly there and stuff like that. <laughs> well, there was that New Zealand airline that was going to do a, um, I, don't, I think this happened in the late 70s, and they, they were going to do a big, because New Zealand, I guess, is the closest country. Well, like maybe maybe the tip of Chile or something. But anyway, they were going to have this commercial flight. It was like the Titanic, right? They would go fly over the, the uh, South Pole and then come back to New Zealand. And it crashed on its maiden voyage, this big plane. And it was like a big deal. And like a lot of people, well, everybody died. But um, that's just kind of curious that it's like, okay, it's the one time they were going to do commercial airline flights that crossed over the South Pole. It conveniently crashes. And then they've never done it again in 40 something years. Mm, Yes. Not to get conspiratorial or anything. I love conspiratorial. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. 
how did you get into all this, Nikki? Have you always been interested in like ancient history and stuff, or has it like been a gradual thing? Or was there? Like I mean, a- I was I was raised in New Mexico, and I was I, and I and I'm like one of those, like I don't know. I just have always had like crazy paranormal experiences my whole life wow. kind of thing. And I, I, and I like, you know, whether I've seen ghosts or like beings or I've always had like weird stuff. So I was a weird kid. Right. And then once I hit like high school, I just became a muggle like everybody else. And I was, and then I was just completely closed off to no. I'm only staying with what's over in what's my told box until I probably hit 30. And then, yeah, I'm now I'm 40. And like, so the last 10 years, I've just, I don't know, just been on a, like, just have a sensational urge to like learn more about like what else could be going on, you know? Cause like, I don't know. And then it's interesting. Cause like my convictions just become even more stronger when you have things like, like, I guess we can't even say the buzzwords of, but like the last couple of years, right? Like the lockstep that the whole globe has sort of been in over everything just makes you kind of go like, I think there's, I think there's more going on than we're uh, admitting. And like, just, and the fact that I can't even really say everything and that we have to be, be, be sensitive with our language is also uh, an amazing little conspiracy theory thing too. Right. I mean, so I don't know. I feel like I got into it early and then I got out of it and then I came back into it. And then now it just keeps on like what they say was the difference between a conspiracy theory and truth is six Six months months, or something. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I totally feel that. What what paranormal experiences have you had? Um, well, like, uh, what? Ha- I mean, I've, I've seen UFOs. I've had beings come into my room at night. I've had wow. ghosts. I've had um, uh, we've I've had some time slippage, some time short uh stuff with time. Um. Yeah, I've had some. I've had some interesting stuff. I thought. I, th- I thought you might have. Oh, because... I saw a unicorn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, unicorn. Did you catch? <laughs> did you not try and catch it? Wrangle it? Stick a saddle on it? No, I was just because, like, you know, it. I was in Colombia and it like touched me on the arm and then it and it was just like a horse with a horn. I'd never really seen that. And there was like two other guys with me and we all three were just sort of like paralyzed, like looking at it. And I was going like, and my brain was going like, well, that horse has a horn. I didn't even think the word unicorn until the other guy was like, all right, I'm just going to say it's a unicorn. We were like, oh yeah, yeah, it does appear to be a horse with a horn. And then I remember thinking like, well, uh, I don't know. You're not supposed to touch unicorns based on Harry Hollywood. Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter, right, in Hollywood, yeah. So I'm just kind of going like, well, but it touched me, but should I touch it? But it was just eating grass, and it just walked away. So I don't know. Uh, I have um, I can see no reason why, because you mentioned, like, the giant sloths. We, we lost, like, was it about 70% of all megafauna at the Younger Dryas, something like that? Mm-hmm. You know, dozens and dozens and dozens of species yeah, of big like mammals. Yeah, there were in North America. Yeah, yeah. Uh, short-faced cave bears, giant armadillos, all the rest of it. <laughs> I can see no reason why there wouldn't be a horned horse, a unicorn. And if there was then, why can't they, you know, a, a small segment of them... Survived or something, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Are you thinking it's more of a paranormal or interdimensional thing rather than like a well, hard physical was, biological was, thing? 
I was at a place that was supposedly an Atlantis portal. Like that's why I went to oh. this place is in the middle of the Amazon forest. And it's like, there is, there weren't, there weren't, there was no infrastructure. Like we were going to the bathroom in holes, like, and the, like, and you know, where there, there was no civilization anywhere. So I, I mean, if they were good, I guess if they were going to still exist anywhere, that'd be the place to do it. Um, you know, yeah. it took us like, we had to ride on, we had to ride on donkeys and stuff for like a day and a half to get there. And they like, it, it wasn't like, I don't know that I would go back. Basically. It's a little too, it was, it was too roughing it for me. Yeah. I'm the yeah. same. I like home comforts. My, uh, my <laughs> wife and kids are off camping at the moment. It's like, no, I'm staying here. I, I want a, I, I want a coffee that. machine. And I want a microwave and an oven and hot running water. You two, you lot, not yourself out. My thing is like plumbing. Like I, I really enjoy, you know, the way we ha- we we have plumbing. I think that's that's great. Thing that concerns me is like I think our civilization is hanging by a thread. Like uh, oh, yeah. I don't think people realize. People sort of just drift through life and they take everything for granted and they don't realize. Like if you if you cut the power off. The electricity off. I mean, what I would give our civilization two weeks. Two weeks, two weeks max. Yeah. I think. I think the government they they put in the emergency messaging and send out the text messages. Power's gone down. We're working on it. Main thing: keep calm. Don't riot. Don't start stealing. We're working on it. And you know, most people will buy that for a few days, and then oh, we're running out of food. Shit. All right, well, they'll, they'll, they'll have it fixed. Give it another few days. They'll have it fixed. So, yeah, I'll give it about two weeks so they have complete anarchy. <laughs> I recently started listening to a bunch of podcasts about, like, this de-civilization. It's, like, this book written by, oh, I can't remember the name of the guy. Oh, I've but heard it was, about it. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it's really interesting because, you know, we're not procreating at the rate that we were. And, um, like, you know, there's countries like China that did this whole one child left behind or, you know, or, or not one child, like one child policy, one child policy from, I think like 1980 until 2015. So, and then they finally were like, Oh wait, you know what? Our biggest commodity is, is like our workforce. And we're not going to have that anymore because they're not really uh, able to re Yeah. So I think that there's a lot of things that are going to change when we're old people and, or for the next generation. And, uh, I don't think like this whole thing about how we're going to be overpopulated. I think we're going to be underpopulated actually. And then that is like, you have a deconstruction of if you don't have people to make things, things won't be made kind of thing. And uh, it's, it could get real scary in a different weird, you know, Mad Max kind of way that it's like not fun. Um, You've reminded me that I need to get that book and read it because I've only I've only read some reviews and listened to some other people break it down. But from how I understand it, this population collapse is already baked in. Certainly for China. He's basically he's super doom and gloom. It like (laughs) it's super depressing because it's just like it's like, oh, there's nothing you can do for it right now. It's like it's. You know, I get like can have babies, but they're not. So it's like, um, yeah, he's just like, yeah, you're just, it's just it is what's coming. I think it's more optimistic for America. I think he thinks America is going to make it. I think he thinks that, but even still, like I, I like, and but his like that, that I thought that was a compromise, uh, a bias on his part because maybe he's American or whatever. But the, the thing is, is that we 
like I was saying, we're a globalized world now. Like we're not uh, individual countries really. So what, like, um, all, every single week right now, my brother just bought some, I don't know, Toyota, like Toyota Corolla, or I don't know, some car that is just like a sedan car. And it was like, he paid 50 grand for it. And I'm like, you paid 50 grand for that. Like if you're going to pay 50 grand for a car, like make it like a cool car, not like a, not saying that those are not cool or whatever, but I'm just like, they're not. Right. They're not. Okay. But like, let's put it, I'll put it like, okay. Three years ago, that car would have been like 25. So you're paying double for the same car three years later. And the, the, the thing is like, Oh, there's chip shortages because they're manufactured here or there. There's, there's just no, we're not an Island. There's no such thing as like an isolated place. Like we're, we have a globalized economy with all of our stuff. And like, eventually that's going to, you know, we don't have the manufacturing for all the things that people have yeah. all in one place. So I, it'll hurt everybody. I read something. I think it was last week. Um, because, um, your your dear leader, Mr. Biden, has signed the. Uh, it's not the Build Back Better bill. He couldn't get that through, so he's broken it into smaller chunks. It's called the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, and uh, part of that was um, some sort of a taxpayer subsidy for electric cars. So if you buy an electric car now, you get uh, I think it's six grand or six and a half grand co-payment from the state or price reduction and then like the next day immediately after ford and some other company immediately put six and a half grand on the price of all their electric cars <laughs> so, yeah that's how it works that's a good way to do it be like yeah well there you go f you yeah it's yeah. like um it's like oh you can't afford milk buy a cow <laughs> buy an electric car it's like, well, I, don't it's like they, I think some, they said something like well, the gas prices are going up. The gas stations need to lessen those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure that's how that works. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, um, I, I guess you just have to hold on for the, you know, hold on to your hat. Right. Well, know, it's, pretty, we it's pretty much the same wheels over here. As far as inflation, we're at about 10% as well. Uh, mm. The problem, the biggest problem we have in the UK is that, our inflation's mainly been driven by energy prices and our household heating, gas and electric bills are going to go nuts over the next 12 months, basically. So, I mean, before the pandemic, an average household gas and electric bill would be, what do you think, Matt, about £1,200? I think that's what it was, yeah. yeah. And uh, they brought in this thing called an energy cap. So... Um, Based on the wholesale price, there was a cap put on the unit cost of gas and electric. And because of the lockdowns and inflation and something, apparently something happening in Eastern Europe since February, no one's talking about that, but some sort of in, in, uh, <laughs> war. <laughs> because of that, they're having to raise this cap because the wholesale price keeps going up. So whereas uh, 12 months, 18 months ago, we were paying £1,200 on average. Um, they're now predicting... A month or a year? A year. £1,200 a year. So that would what would that be? About $1,800, something like that, $1,500. Right. Uh, but they're predicting now in April, it's going to be around £6,800. So it's going to go up threefold. Yeah, and that'll that'll break so many people. That's crazy. And, yeah, it's... it's um, that. 
one thing I can say about that, I did this earthship thing for like a, I, I did this, I don't know, five years ago, I went to Taos and I built these, they, they're like these self-sustaining uh, homes called earthships. Mm-hmm. And one of the greatest things that like you can, you can use anywhere is, and I think eventually people are going to have like weird little, like, um, uh, they're going to have to come up with other, other, we're going to have to come up away with workarounds on all this stuff. Right. Cause you can't just be completely powerless to it all, but okay. So cooling tubes, you guys should look into cooling tubes. If you don't know what those are, like it's basically, if it's a kind of the same concept of a wine cellar. So if you put something a meter down, like three feet down underneath the ground and it has to be, um, and you have to have 30 feet of, of length and you have an opening on inside the house and then an opening it's like got like a, a cage or something on either side. So that little bugs and stuff don't crawl in. But anyway, it's like the convection of, um, so it pulls the air from the outside and it opens it up and it puts it in your house and it'll be 60 degrees, which I don't know what that is in Celsius, but it's, it's, it's a good baseline in the winter and in the summer. So basically it gives you the ground, like underneath, it gives you the ground temperature all the time in your house. And then you can either heat, heat from there or cool from there. And it, uh, that's kind of crazy, but we're going to have to start doing weird stuff like this to get around. Like we're going to have to come up with our own little free energy hack kind of stuff, because it, like, if you leave everything, I guess it's kind of like one of those situations where when you see what absolute power corrupts, absolutely. So it's one of those things where when you have that's just in their hand. You can't do anything about the energy pricing. There's nothing you can do about it. You're going to have to figure out other ways around to how to combat it, which is kind of crazy. That sounds like the um, convection systems. I worked on one last week and it's like a big Mitsubishi. looks like a big air conditioning unit on the side of the house and Mm -hmm. it sucks the air in, condenses it somehow and and uses that to um, heat your water and your your radiators and stuff for heating um but apparently one of the the main one of the main issues is is that your home has to be incredibly well insulated for these to to work and like all our houses like majority of our houses were built in the 60s or or older you know and they weren't Mm. built with this sort of stuff in mind and retrofitting all this insulation it doesn't always well it's all money Mm. isn't it it's all money 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 everything a lot of money and then the cost of like lumber and mm. I don't know what it is for y'all, but ours is like a, a, a okay, like I, a, 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 whatever, a standard plank of plywood was, I don't know, something like seven something in 2018, $7 and something in 18 or, and then now it's like oh, 80 something, $80. So it's just crazy the amount of inflation that has gone up with building costs and building materials to where it's almost like you're, you're out of being able to build new things. Um, mm, I think there's a similar thing around MDF, isn't there? That's one I've heard about in terms of, um that's like gone through the roof i believe there's like one or two places in the world or something ridiculous or there's one or two main providers of it um and that's gone sort of stratospheric as well in terms of its cost so it is it just kind of all gets tacked on doesn't it and I, it just uh, makes you wonder you know um how much more people um perhaps are going to put up with or be able to afford essentially before things start getting a little bit crazy 
Well, it's like I saw, I went to uh, this like farmer's market by me a couple days ago and there was a watermelon that was $15. And I was like, $15 for a watermelon? I am not. I, I was like, but I really Save want Save my money. Watermelon. I really want it. But like, yeah, I, 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 did, I, don't, I didn't get it. I did not get it. That was just, I finally was like, you know what? That is it. I draw the line at a $15 watermelon. I'm not doing that. Was it gold plated or something? <laughs> right, exactly. That's what I was going. I don't know. And then I was like, "Oh well, they're having a lot of shortages of watermelons this year." I'm like, "Oh, okay. Isn't it a gourd? Like, whatever. Like, I. Who knows? I mean, you know, I. I I'm, this is weird. This became an economic uh, podcast. I wasn't expecting. Oh yeah, yeah. This is this isn't our style, is it? No. Let's go back to yeah. aliens. Uh, you, because I noticed on your website, you mentioned CE5. Oh, yeah. I've Tell us about CE5, because most people haven't heard of CE5. Okay, so it's just like, um, there, it's kind of like a meditation protocol where you can basically call UFOs in. And um, I that Stephen Greer guy, um, a lot of people hate him or love him or whatever their stuff is with him, whatever. But he has this app. It's like a CE5 app. And it has like some sounds of um, uh, like he recorded a bunch of these noises inside of crop circles. And then you, those are played on a loop or there's this other stuff like from Mount Shasta that's played on a loop. And I thought this was all like, whatever, I'll try it. But it was probably bogus. Like, okay, whatever. And then he goes through like a 30 minute meditation or something, but it's not just him. There's other people I've heard about, like where you can kind of, it's about like, it goes into stuff like with consciousness and I don't know if you guys have done psychedelics or where you've gone and all that journey and all that stuff, which is cool too. But, um, Anyway, so it's just this whole thing where you uh, you can kind of some people be like, oh, that's like demons. You're calling demons. And no, it's not. No, it's like, dude, all it is is like you're you basically calm yourself like you're you, 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 I, I've done it with like one of my good friends and you um, explain like you're like who you kind of have an intention on like what kind of situation you're willing to encounter. And like you said, an intention, and then you kind of basically show it your location or whatever. And then you, you do this meditation for like 45 minutes and then you open your eyes and then you like watch and it's been successful for me. So I, yeah, I was, I was able to get contact with stuff or, or to see, um, saw a couple of triangle crafts. I saw, um, which I don't know the triangle crafts. It's weird that you can call those in with CE fives, but like, I don't really, I think that those are just probably like a military, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't really black know if those are necessarily, yeah, so, like a black ops sort of situation that I feel like they're too mechanical to be, uh, I don't know, and of like of an alien. Can you? Uh, I'm going to have to elaborate that now. You've called in a triangle UFO. So did that appear yeah. like after? As soon as you finished the uh, meditation, you saw those, or was it like? Yeah, like a bit um, later like within, kind of like but so like uh, like so you finished meditation, like you you're so you're like 
super like zinned out and you're just like non-threatening mm-hmm. and then that's like and you're just sitting there and then you're like outside in the middle of nowhere and you're just chilling <sighs> and then um like i did this in mexico and i've done it in new mexico and i've done it in texas actually i've been successful everywhere that i've done it um mm-hmm. anyway and then you kind of mainly orbs you'll see a bunch of like orbs that fly around that's like the the main thing that that happens um I don't know. Like I was not filming anything because I was using my phone. And also like I'm past the point of caring about trying to get somebody else to believe whether or not I've seen something or not. Like Mm -hmm. like that, that I'm past that. I'm like, if you don't believe in UFOs, you don't believe in any of this stuff that's on you. That's your thing. Like, cool. Have that's fine. Mm -hmm. That's great. Happy time for you. But like I, so it's more just for my own personal like mm-hmm. um understanding or whatever so I, I so i don't really care if someone believes that i can or haven't or have or have like that's not really my motivation so yeah so if you yourself are really interested in kind of like getting confirmation of like the high strangeness or like is this stuff even really going on or is it real i feel like you'll have a much better success than trying to catch it for the public who's not going to believe you anyway mm. yeah graham <laughs> from graham from Grand america is a big c5 guy he he does it mm-hmm. he does it quite often i don't know how successful he's been but that's because that's where i recognize the term from on your website i thought all oh, right i know yeah. i've got an idea what this is it's not is there like a uk c5 community that oh, you know yeah, of? i'm sure uh, yeah you guys have all the you guys have all the i love the crop circles i love them <laughs> I don't care if some of them are made up by humans. I still love them. They're just, some of those are just crazy talented. Like they're really awesome. How fast they appear. So mm. if I was in the UK, I would be all, my summers would be like, you know, crop circle chasing <laughs> being like, is this one real or is this one made? Like, what do I you, don't know. It's, it's not a big thing that anymore, really, is it? I don't really it is. hear any story There's, about There were that. some badass ones this year, um, oh, okay. and it's only in the summer, and it's only in the world. It's mainly – there's some in France and a little bit uh, – there's some a couple other places, but mm. without fail, they always come to the UK. But you guys do have some – people who make them professionally and stuff too but some of these are people will say are authentic yeah it just doesn't get covered it really mm-hmm. I that's guess. what i mean you, no, yeah. you have to go to the crop that's the best or dot uh, org crop circle connector that's the best site for them they mm-hmm. put them on as soon as they're reported and then they get like the aerial view and then they get all the other angles and mm-hmm. yeah and then you know i if i were i i would like have an emf reader i would go i would like you know see if there's any kind of different frequency reading within them because apparently sometimes there is sometimes there's noises that you can record yeah. some people feel some weird stuff like dowser people have some stuff going on i don't know there's it's just an interesting phenomenon that is unique to y'all's country so that's kind of cool i'm interested in this connection between well between paranormal stuff and aliens like i think mark was talking to us about this last week and and mike as well from obdm ages ago where it seems like there's like i don't know if it's hot spots or certain places where maybe the veil is is thinner between this uh-huh. dimension and whatever else is happening out there. But it seems to be like there's some sort of correlation going on between UFO sightings and like cryptid sightings and other paranormal phenomena. Is this something that you've found out on yeah, your definitely. end? I mean, like I, I, I'm a portal chaser in terms of like, you know, I've been to like Sedona, Mount Shasta or, you know, anytime somebody tells me like some places is a portal, I'm like, oh, 
okay for what i'm gonna go so like i've definitely been to a lot of places that people say are like um is that the falls or like the place i went to manoa in colombia or there's some in like there's 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 stuff all over like if it's like marfa texas or um to go see marfa lights and things like that there there's uh in hawaii there's um uh what's the name of that one uh anyway i i i think that yeah, there are places that are um, high strangeness or that I think maybe. And for me, I almost kind of feel like if you do think about the flower of life, right? And if you think about dimensions and some sort of like bubbles of stuff happening, maybe these are just like the touch points of where our like dimensions overlap or something. So like there can be things that are stranger or stuff that happens, you know, whatever, like the Skinwalker Ranch kind of situation. Um, but uh I think there's there's little mini portals everywhere. Like every country will have one. I was wondering, like, because like, um, I've not had anything really, any any sort of paranormal experience that I can remember. Are you close off to it? Like, do you want to have something or not? Because, like, if you were alone in your room at night and a being appeared to you, would you be scared? Because most yeah. people, like, would be. Like, so you have to, like, you have, like, or at least my, like, if you really do want to see something, like, you have to get over that fear. Like, otherwise you won't see anything. So like, I kind of feel like the situation is that um, we've set something up internally within our own, our psyche to um, like, this is real and this is not real. And this is like, whatever. And I think if you like the, if you really actually do want confirmation that something is beyond the world that you see, then you have to work on your fear of it. That's what I, that's the, my only advice I would give. I've seen, uh, I saw a man turn into an owl once okay i'm but, interested yeah that was i let's say i wasn't mentally sober there may have been some other substance okay. influencing me at that time yeah well okay that's like still that's another portal dimension like like i think that uh i do think that psychedelics though i don't recommend them for everybody and i don't think mm. they're necessary for you know whatever i do think that they um i think that they like i i've met people like on ayahuasca who like when i was doing ayahuasca like three different separate people said that there was like four like one way it was like yeah there was like these four blue men behind you and the other one was like yeah there was these pillars of lights behind you and there was like four of them and then the, uh somebody was like oh, yeah like there was these four balls behind you and they're all blue and i was just like that's weird that separately they all told me this thing i didn't see anything with there and i was doing ayahuasca but then i i i, I um like i know this one guy who was doing ayahuasca and he was with the two co-workers and the girl the girl co-worker had this looked like to him like this giant praying mantis came up and started talking to her and he was like nothing really amazing happened to me but i did see this giant praying mantis person like go talk to this girl and then so they're like exchanging stories when they're like they've come to or whatever and she's saying yeah mother earth came to me and she looked like this praya mantis lady with like a bit he's like i saw her talking to you that's crazy you know so like there are a lot of examples of people who kind of have shared experiences on a substance where you're kind of thinking hmm, maybe there really is some sort of um consciousness like uh you know maybe there really is some sort of other something going on that we don't know 
when you did ayahuasca, did you go through the... Graham Hancock describes, like, this purge, and it sounds horrific, like... Oh, my God, you want to throw up so bad at that point. Everybody's always like, I don't like throwing up. Oh, my God, that's so gross. (laughs) That's, like, not even... That's not a thing. Like, who cares? Like, at that time, your stomach's like, oh, this is... Oh, my God. And you want to throw up. And you throw up, and then you're like, okay, good, I'm good. And then that's when the party starts. Yeah. Do you remember what happened? What you what the experience yeah, was well, like mine was pretty gentle like i didn't i've not i've only done ayahuasca once i didn't have like a big like you know thing where i wanted to do it a billion times um but mine was like i saw the connections between like i saw like the gritting of there there was like this like golden spider webs or everything like i saw like like the space between me and this or me and this or me wow. like i saw like how every the gritting of how everything worked and like i could um like the trees, like I understood plant consciousness. I understood how they viewed time. And, you know, so I was like communicating with like the trees and stuff. And then the tree, like this one tree was like showing me how to manipulate like the, the power lines of energy and how to give more energy to certain beings or myself or other people. And like, like basically how to play the violin strings of the grids, you know? So that was fun. You know, it makes me wonder, and um, don't take this the wrong way. It makes me wonder, when you go into the experience, you're going into it, you're already interested in the nature of consciousness and reality and different dimensions and all these subjects. I'm just thinking, if you took like a, a hardcore materialist like Richard Dawkins and put him on ay- ayahuasca, would he have, I wonder if he would have the same sort of experience or is the experience some sort, some, some, in yeah, some way in, informed of, by. I think it is informed by the person a little bit too, right. because, you know, you know, um, some people like, like one dude who was there was just like, ah, ah, wow. like he was having a horrible time. And like, he had like all these, like demons after him or so I, I don't really know like some people have like really 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 bad psychological breaks um so that's why i don't that's why i say like you only do the, the, like psychedelic kind of situation if you're called to it and you feel like you want to expand your 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 understanding of reality like i don't think you do it just it's not fun it's not like a picnic in the park kind of thing. Like they, they say it's equivalent to like 10 years of therapy or something in one mm. night. So I, I don't know. I it's, it's definitely not like, Oh guys, I'm so evolved. That's how come I was good. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it, you know, if you, if you're apprehensive and you're scared of it and you have a lot of fear going into it and you don't really want to do it and you kind of feel pressured, don't do it. That's not like you're not in the headspace. You're not in the place where it's going to benefit you if you're at that, at that place in your life to do something. It sounds like the cave in uh, at Dagobah from the Empire Strikes Back and uh, Yoda sends Luke in there and, and Luke yeah. says something like, "What what's going to be in there? And, and Yoda says, only what you take with you. <laughs> it is actually kind of very much like that when you do that analogy now that i think about it yeah um yeah i wonder um because uh, you're you, matt you're quite into like um because your day job how psychedelics might be gradually being used in therapy is there any any talk mm-hmm. on like ayahuasca or dmt being proposed for uh psychological therapy 
I, th- I, don't, I don't know if there's any official research. I can't remember the name of the guy who does it at Johns Hopkins. Um, it's Professor Nutt, isn't it, in the Nutt, UK? Yeah. Um, he, he, and I think that was psilocybin that he, they were trialing. Yeah, um, I think psilocybin's with the MAPS program in the US is like starting to get a lot of traction. Right. So, uh, but I believe there's, there's unofficial, um, you know, that's not been sort of, I guess, approved by the government, um, take, like taking people to, to do ayahuasca um, in South America. Um, and that has success for people. Um, so, uh, you know, like what you said about it being worth about a thousand hours of therapy, I think it's probably true. And I think it's, it's probably true of, people who hold a lot of anxieties and worries and all the rest of it. And to be confronted by actually see your demon, which seems to be sort of like the experience of people when they, when they hold um, those kinds of fears before going in. And it seems to be sort of like a, a repeated experience. And we've had on um, uh, Guy, Guy Murray. Guy Murray yeah. um, so he had PTSD and he cured his with um, LSD. Um, did a massive trip and he literally at the end of his trip when he had his breakthrough um, threw up some black bile and again that's so powerful isn't it to have that experience of either slaying a demon you know and facing it down and, and going through that but also expelling some kind of black bile from your body and then feeling better you know so yeah anyone um, anyone who's interested in this area if you find our show with Guy Murray it was absolutely mm. fascinating. He was he's only a young guy, isn't he? And he was in mm. I don't know if it was Iraq or Afghanistan and Afghanistan, ba- yeah. He basically saw his best mate killed. Oh. And um and it and it ruined him basically and, and he like he describes he cured himself with mm. psychedelics. And uh, I mean, yeah, so like the, the kind of thing is it's like, you know, it the thinking or, you know, how it's kind of put in psychological terms is it resets your, I think it's called the default mode network. So your pattern of thinking, essentially. So instead of having, you know, focusing on all these traumatic memories or whatever, all your anxieties and your worries, what it does is it resets that kind of pattern of thinking. Now, the issue is, is that some of the research that's kind of coming out when it's done in Johns Hopkins or, you know, down, I can't remember what university is in the UK, um, the kind of finding that a lot of people after about six months, they kind of go back again. Um, so whether or not, it, you know, they could do another trip after that and, you know, it kind of helps again. Um, I think they're trying to find out essentially. Well, my very first um, experiment with any psychedelics was like five years ago when I was 35 and I um, did, I went to the Redwood forest and I was just going to like, my friends were like, where's, some mushrooms and see like like the plants are gonna look really pretty it's gonna be really like you're gonna see like ferns grow it's gonna be so pretty and i was like oh okay i guess i can do it. it's just a mushroom it's from nature anywhere it's just a mu-. i was like oh okay i think i could do that okay right it's not like i'm doing meth or something i was like okay so then they were passing around the bag of mushrooms and or well like we each had our own bag of mushrooms we were there for like four nights and um 
they were passing around spoonfuls of peanut butter because they were like, oh, it's really gross. So it's better if you eat it with peanut butter. And so I was like, oh, okay. So like I take a mushroom and I'm like, this is not that gross. And then I just, so I just eat the whole bag and oh. it around to me. And they give me the, they're like, here's a spoonful of peanut butter. Oh, where is your mushrooms? And I was like, I just, I didn't need to paint it better. It was fine. And they're like, wait, did you eat all those? And I was like, yeah, I just ate them all. You took and a heroic dose. <laughs> that was for the whole weekend, like the whole thing. What do you do? You just took 12 grams. And I was like, wait, what? I didn't know what grams were. I didn't know what anything was. And they're like, oh, Jesus, should we make her throw up? Like, what do we do here? Like, oh my God, we're in the, and we're like in the middle of the forest. There's, <laughs> uh, yeah, we were screwed. So it was like, all right, well, just enjoy the ride. Right. And so then I totally had like an ego death and was not human and was not, um, yeah, I was, I was not, yeah, I was not on earth anymore. I was back with the source energy of everything. And, but what I will, will say, and I've talked about that experience before a lot, but, um, I, it completely took away my fear of death. Mm, this is a common is, thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Which I didn't even know I had a fear of death until uh, and and it's not even that like you know so you realize you're taking 12 grams of mushrooms i don't give you fear of death (laughs) yeah exactly well i and i I felt like i did die and i and i felt like i was there like thousands of years i felt like i was there longer than i was here even still and i have full memory of Mm. of it so i don't know that that i don't know it i i definitely think i wouldn't wish that on anybody because that was like (laughs) it's very uh, it was very hard to go through at the time, but at the same time, I think the experiences I felt from it were invaluable and definitely I, I, yeah, I just, I just don't think death is something to fear no matter what. Mm. The, uh, the time dilation, this is something that really interests me ever since we had the, uh, parachute jumper, I'm blanking on his name. Do you remember? <laughs> Oh, I was thinking about him the other day, and I, and I cannot remember his name. Oh, well, I don't know about this, so I'll send you a link. Did we begin with a le? I can't remember. Have a look while I'm explaining. Uh, okay. So what happened to him? Well, oh, he's he, he's a, he was um, a parachute instructor for the army. So uh, he, he was in the Royal Signals, and eventually he worked his way up. He, he fell in love with parachute jumping and worked his way up to be an instructor. And then he got to the stage where he would do, uh, you know, like air shows and stuff where they'll have like parachute competitions and they've got to land on yeah, the dock. Like land on an X or something. Or yeah, something. and they do these crazy maneuvers and have smoke coming out of them and stuff like that. So he was like top of his game. He was like one of the best in the country. And he was doing a, um, a exhibition, parachute exhibition at some air show or military game. Like he'd been to Canada for military games and stuff like that. And he was about, he thinks he was about 100 feet up and his chute failed, collapsed. And uh, he hit the deck and had a near-death experience. And um, I I can't go through all the details because it's well over a year now. I'm blanking on Mm -hmm. something. But he described the experience like the life review as lasting Mm -hmm. about 10 years. He felt like it was 10 years. It it took 10 years to do the life review. And the people who who were around him, there was mixed opinions that he even lost conscious. Like one of of the people Mm -hmm. there said, "You, you, you never lost conscious for the whole time. 
and someone else said, oh, you might have lost conscious for 10, 20 seconds and then you were awake again. He said it lasted 10 years. That's what it felt like to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's an incredible story. He broke both his femurs. His legs were shattered. I mean, he shouldn't have survived, basically. Wow. But yeah. he ended up in a wheelchair, um, years of re- rehabilitation, and now he does marathon cycling events. He's back walking, fully recovered, and he does like extreme marathon cycling events, like 200-mile like, cycle race and stuff like that. Okay, yeah, mm. that sounds, that sounds awesome. Ian Lyons. Ian Lyons, that's the one, yeah. Mm. Oh, it's fascinating. How did you mm. guys find him? I did a job for him. He found me. He found me. He said, yeah, exactly. uh, can, can you do a job for me? <laughs> I said, yeah, all right. And we just got to talking. I don't know how it came up, but I think we were talking about podcasts and then we sort of got into the nature of uh, consciousness and psychedelics and he started t- telling me about what happened to him and I was like uh, do you ever do you fancy coming on a podcast I do a podcast <laughs> he said yeah all right then yeah that's some, of that, some of that is the best I I, uh, I also had a, a girl who had a near-death experience from a car wreck that was on I had her on the beginning of the year and I met her like in real life too and was just talking with her and I was like oh whoa that's um, and she also had like, she didn't want to come back. Like she was, you know, it was mm-hmm. really hard for her to get convinced to come back. And um, yeah, it's, I, I, I think th- those are super fascinating. The near death experiences, they really are. But, yeah. it, it sort of uh, changes our ideas about the nature of consciousness and uh, the analogy I love. And I don't know if it was Randall Carlson. I don't know where I first heard of this. Is that like the brain brain doesn't, generate consciousness it's the receiver it's like a tv it's like you know if you turn off the television the signal's still there it's just the set that's turned off you know the signal's still broadcasting and then you think well where does the signal come from then you know is it it coming from another dimension or is something else something a soul i don't know these are all the questions that we want answered nikki yeah we do i mean like that's the thing is like i had a like this experience where I was in like really bad turbulence in the plane, like I'm, I'm a flight attendant. And, uh, and I, I was just like, I mean, at first I was like, I fuck this. I don't want to be here. Like, I hate this so much. My God, this. I was like, ah, I was like freaking out. And then I just like found the calm within the storm and was like, you know, people are screaming and crying. Like this was like severe turbulence. Right. And I was just like buckled in my harnesses. And then I was just like thinking like, and all of a sudden I saw like, I could see my consciousness split almost into three things. And it was like, there was the, the, there was some, there was something observing through our, all of our eyes. Like there's the watcher of everything. It's like, that is the source of everything that like watches through all of us. And then, and we're like fragments of that, you know, it felt like, yeah. And then it, it was almost like you have these like the ideas, they are like clouds you can choose to go through or jump on or whatever. And, but like, so you, you're whatever you are like, or it could be kind of, if you want to use computer analogies, it's like, like, you know, like there's the internet, which is like the, you know, the everything connected, even though that's a whole other story too. But, um, 
and then you have like your computer has a hard drive and then they, and maybe that's your fractalization of all everything that you've done. And then like whatever's on your desktop is like what your, your arrow is sort of pointed to, like what you have current control over. But I just sort of saw, um, this, like, you know, it was like a brief second that lasts forever where I just sort of was thinking like, Oh yeah, man, we, we really are, um, where you can choose like what frequency to, to go into. I do think that like, and I do that. And I do think consciousness is kind of shared. That's why you have all those things of like people getting the same ideas at the same time or like similar songs being written by people. Yeah. 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 It's interesting idea. Hey, Nikki, we've done well over an hour already. Okay. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, this thanks, is... you guys. This was fun. So yeah, you guys, you, you do your little lives every, like, hour lives. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, this is sort of quite new, really. We just used to record mm. the podcast and then put it out the next day. And then we thought, well, let's start doing video. So we started doing video. And then we used to record the podcast live anyway. So we might as well live stream it yeah, while we do it. We don't do well. any, don't do any editing, edit. right? No, we never do yeah. editing. So, yeah, we're just sort of having fun and exploring. And Is there anything you, you want to say before we go? Anything? Uh, all, the, all the links are in the show notes, by the way, if you want to find Nikki's uh, website and YouTube channel and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got some stuff on there. That's cool. Yeah, I, I'm good. Like, I'm I'm complete. So, yeah, it was it was really fun. It was good meeting you guys. You guys seem like some curious, awesome dudes. So that's cool. Yeah. Find searches for stuff. You're and correct. I like y'all's guests. I really like your show. So I, I like what y'all doing. Nice one. Well, it's been nice to meet you, Nikki. Um, stay on the line for a minute while we play ourselves out. Okay, sounds good. And, uh, yeah, see you again soon. Take care. Catch you on the flip side. <laughs> well. right then we're back the dwarf and the mother of madness nailed it perfect that was our chat with Nikiana Jones let's go fun nice to meet yeah. Nikki she's a top notch uh, lady with a banging channel check it out links in the show notes oh, um, it's also available as a podcast mm. that's on yeah. uh, all the usual platforms so, uh, smash the like button yeah hit, hit the bell you can ring my bell <laughs> ring my bell any excuse to sing bit of Mary Jane girls like a bit of Mary Jane girls. Yep. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, do all those those things we said. It's good. And, uh, you know, she's, we've got a lot in common, as I said. Mm. We do a lot of the same sort of stuff. So she'll find it. Yeah. She'll find it useful. Okay. Let's do some headlines. Capital letters. A big news story. Headlines of the week. Half-asleep man accidentally chops off his own testicles while dreaming that he was cutting meat for a family meal. Now that is a mouthful, isn't it? What, his testicles? Both. Oh, the headline. It's a headline and half that, isn't it? Yeah. Do we need to go any further on that? 
I mean, can we delve any deeper? Sure. A man claims he accidentally chopped off his own testicles while dreaming that he was cutting meat for a family meal. Kofi Atta, a farmer in Ghana, suffered critical injuries after taking a knife to his scrotum while he was half asleep. Atta claims he woke up, in quotes, to see his penis chopped off. After dreaming, he was dreaming about slaughtering... <laughs> he was dreaming about slaughtering a goat. Wow. And he slaughtered his own balls instead. <laughs> okay, no. He awoke. He awoke in shock at his Asinfosum home on the August the 12th after feeling sharp pains coming from his penis and scrotum, according to GH1TV. That sounds like a shopping channel, doesn't it? Yeah. VH1. The man told BBC Pigeon he's currently receiving medical care in hospital but says it looks like he will need surgery. Sounds like you've already had surgery, mate. Self-inflicted. Is there, is there some kind of um, joke here about a goatee beard or goats having a beard or Billy Goat's gruff beard? <laughs> I'm thinking more screaming goat. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, uh, he's still unsure how he came to be. Hold- <laughs> he's still unsure about how he came to be holding a knife after dozing off in a chair. His wife Adwoa Kanadu was travelling at the time and was contacted by neighbours. Reports claim she came on to find him bleeding and holding his penis and rushed to get him a diaper to reduce blood flow. He was rushed to hospital with serious but non-life-threatening in- injuries. Non-life-threatening. Really? Wow. Doctors revealed he was able to get it reattached and still achieve an erection just six weeks after surgery. Oh, this is bullshit, man. Yeah. Have you cut your balls off or what? No, I know, yeah. No. He's just nicked himself shaving, hasn't he? Yeah. He's obviously, you know, he's he's misplaced his uh, Gillette. I thought, I'll just sharpen this uh, potato peeler. Do a bit of manscaping. Um, yeah, see what happens. Yeah, yeah. But it's fake news. Mm. Wrinkly sack with no anus. <laughs> Wrinkly sack with no anus probably isn't human's earliest ancestor. Oh, I don't Amish think... Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Smithers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I think that's that's self-explanatory. Zeal breaks into New Zealand home, traumatizes cat, and hangs out on couch. This is a late entry, but a good one. Um, no, it's from a few days ago. Oh, right. So we sent this in twice then. Yeah, you sent it in twice. <laughs> Did I? I didn't send it in the first yeah, time. I think it was Nick who sent it in like days ago. Oh, right. Yeah. Nick's always on ahead of the curve, though, isn't he? Still trying to take credit. It's a synchronicity. Yes. A curious young seal has been returned to the sea after breaking into a New Zealand home, harassing the resident cat, hanging about in the hallway for a couple of hours while the children slept upstairs, and miraculously ruining nothing. No. The Ross family of Mount Maunganui were more than a little surprised to find the New Zealand fur seal in their home, which is about 150 metres from the shore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Must have uh, hitched a ride. So they can shuffle, can't they? See, this is fake news as well. Phil Ross, Aye. Phil Ross, who happens to be a marine biologist, said it was unfortunate he was the only one not home at the time. 
Uh, yeah. I think he's been bringing his work home with him, man. He's brought that back. He's brought that back, hasn't he? The, you know, the like, big joke is, is that mm. this is really the only family emergency where it would be useful to have a marine biologist in the house, he said. I really missed my time to shine. New Zealand he's from, Phil. Mm. What kind of accent is that? As she got in the car, somebody <laughs> backed from underneath and shuffled away. She thought it was someone's dog and didn't really think too much of it. No. I'll try again. Uh, she returned around 7am, opening the door to find a cute little seal. It got right a bit of a fright and humped its way down the hallway into the spare room. Range, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ross said the seal had managed to make its way through two cat flaps. How the hell does a seal get through a cat flap, man? This is what I mean, fake news, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it left the property. It's been inside for an hour. The cat mm. would have gone to defend its territory, and obviously the seal wasn't as intimidated as some dogs are, so Coco must have bolted around the side of the house into the cat flap, and the seal must have followed her. Yeah, this, <laughs> this is absolute fake news, this. I'm not buying it. Mm. I think we should move on. Mm. What's next? Boys named Epic, Rustin, and Landry battle it out in US Mullet Championship. I mean... Did you even know there was such a thing? Should there be a thing? Yes, there should. And here is why. Pow! Ka-chow! Wow. I mean... Child abuse? This is a class of child abuse? (laughs) The one on 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 my right with the... The red hair and the dark and the aviators looks mm. like a young version of uh, the T2 character. Um, oh, his friend. man. <laughs> yeah. Ed, Edward Furlong's friend at the mall. Yeah. Yeah, John Carter's <laughs> friend. Yeah. yeah. Wow. What a tenuous link. I know, yeah. Callback. I love the mm. shades on the guy on the left. I mean, yeah, they're top-notch, aren't they? You don't see shades. It's like Brett the Hitman Heart, isn't it? Yeah. You just don't see shades like that anymore. Uh, link in the show notes for that story because there are pages and pages of these kids with mullets. <laughs> it's, uh, it's worth your time. Peruse mm. the mullets. Some of them have the uh, stars and stripes shaved into the side of the head. Classy touch. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Okay, no more to say on that. Let's see, have we anything else? Mm. Japan urges its young people to drink more to boost the economy. Right. I mean, you're going to explain that. Um, Alcohol sales are down, and therefore tax revenue is down as well. Uh, I see. So the Japanese government is uh, incentivizing... Young adults to uh, drink more sake, more rice, rice wine. Kind of a interesting public health messaging, no? Yeah, we need more money, chair. So drink more and then be ill more. Yeah. Yeah, doesn't make sense to me. Mm. Is that the last one? Oh, yeah, no. we're, yeah, we're back. Testicle, oh. testicle bullshit, man. Gone, gone round the horn. <laughs> yeah. 
I was um, I was uh, walking the dog this morning on uh, YouTube. The algorithm again served me well. It sent me a, a video. Uh, oh, mm. I wrote not I wrote down the name of the channel. Uh, Nutrient Nirvana. The channel was called. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's run by a guy called Paul, and mm. this um, episode. Um, was Nigel Howitt, the lawful rebel. Right, do you remember okay. Nigel? I do, yes. He had a tent. Yeah, a yurt. A yurt. Yes. It was uh, Paul and, and Nigel and Ralph Ellis, who was our guest from a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And they were having a debate. Oh. A debate on the Tycos model of the solar system. What? Yeah, so it was two of our previous guests having a debate about another previous guest's work. Oh, why on earth would YouTube suggest such a video to you? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. It wasn't just on that. They'd started off on that, and then they talked about, you know, taxation is theft and other areas they, they, they mm. uh, hashed out. So, uh, yeah, interesting, interesting discussion. So I think we, I probably should reach out to Paul. Seeing as we we seem to uh, mm. have a lot in common, so what was he called? Nutrient what? Nutrient Nirvana. Nirvana. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, uh, it's the, f- the first video I've seen, so um, uh, I think he does sort of similar stuff to us, like, like uh, not, maybe not live streaming, but video, you know, Zoom video stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll check that out. Yeah, definitely. Um, we've done the headlines um, I think I might leave the housekeeping for a minute mm-hmm. um, there's a couple of stories I, I think need doing COVID-19 news Put on your fucking muzzle if you go to the shop. Big go full screen, baby. A big fat so the dog with me. From hell. Oh. You know, it's just, you know, super painful. Like a judgment day and take uh-huh. more, more lives this year than any other year for the past hundred years. Two million people have to die. This is such a crock of shit. This is Who the fuck's that? Yeah, me. I've, uh, I've resurrected the COVID jingle from way back when. Why? Well, there's this uh, study come out of Thailand, a pr- prospective uh, study on um, adolescents with the, uh, the magic juice from Pfizer. Mm-hmm. And it's been getting some, uh, some press. And Dr. John, do you remember Dr. John Campbell? Mm. He's done a video on it, and I've taken uh, some clips, series of clips. And mm. uh, it's interesting to watch his journey through this pandemic. Oh, he's, his, uh, uh, his yeah. outlook. He has to be very mm. careful with what he says. Um, but um, he's a medical professional and a teacher and educator of medical professionals for several decades. So who better to um, talk us through this Thailand study? So, right, OK, here's the opening clip. Now, we're going to be reporting on a study from Tideland looking at uh, complications after Pfizer vaccine in 13 to 18-year-olds. And as far as I'm aware, this is the first prospective study in this age group. 
Now, after the second dose of the Pfizer vaccine, tachycardia, a fast heart rate, was reported in 7.64% of people that had had the vaccine. 76 wow. These are high percentages. That's ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, it's probably fine. It's probably fine. <laughs> um, we should say it's only uh, 300 in the study population. Wow. But 7%. Over, over 7%. Oh, we're just oh, getting started, man. We're just getting started. Right. Uh, I wonder where to do the perspective. Um, he mentioned a perspective study there. Let's uh, skip forward and uh, Dr. John... See, most of the studies on these vaccines have been done... Sorry, these magic juice uh, instruments have been done retrospectively. Mm. And uh, John here explains... <laughs> Twitter has already said this has been debunked by fact-checkers. All right, well, we shall see about that. Uh, mm. All right, let's carry on with this. We'll, we'll come back to what is a perspective study. That's Matt Apocalypse uh, is saying mm. Twitter's already debunked this. Well, let's continue because... Shortness of breath, it was 6.64%. Palpitations, the awareness of the heart beating in the chest, 4.32%. Chest pain, 4.32% also. High blood pressure, it was 3.99%. Not an age group we would expect high blood pressure in. That's teenagers. They're all uh, 13 mm -hmm. to 17, I think it was. Abnormal uh, electrocardiogram, the ECG or EKG, 17.94%. Uh, That's nearly 20%. Abnormal know, EKG. Yeah. Mm. Maybe I should... St I don't know if in, in my clips he... Um, Explains the study design. Mm. Um, these people were were snagged on either the day of the jab or very soon before, a day or two before, and given a battery of tests, EKGs, blood works, mm. all the rest of it. So that was the baseline. And then they did the same thing, I think, on the day of... Uh, uh, three days after the magic juice, seven days, and then 14 days after. Right. Anyway, continue. And elevated biomarkers, which is the really definitive thing. The, the, these are substances released from damaged heart muscle, 2.33%. Uh, now, I was actually taken aback by these figures, these very high levels and the implications of this. So that's what this study is about if you want to stay. Now, this is taken from this study here. It's a preprint. It's released as a preprint because uh, the whole point of preprints is there's a bit of an emergency while we wait for peer review and I really feel that this is something that the NHS and the CDC should be taking cognizance of straight away uh, with a view to changing their guidelines I would have thought as an emergency based on this data now uh, just a quick update this video came out I think on Tuesday or Wednesday and it says it's a preprint mm. uh, I checked today and this past peer review and was published on Friday so right, it's not okay. a preprint anymore. It's actually published in, I think, Journal of Emerging and Tropical Medicine, something like that. But it's it's gone through the peer review process. So, um, the nature of a prospective study. So I, I basically explained it, didn't I? They get you rather than looking back, they get you mm. before the medical intervention, and then so they have a baseline, and then see you forward. But 
John John explains this better than me. And it's a prospective cohort study now. A prospective study here. What you're doing is you're collecting people as they come for their vaccination and you're following them through. Why haven't a prospective study been done by uh, the drug companies post-release on this? Why hasn't it been done by the NHS? Why hasn't it done, been done by the CDC or any others of our highly reputable institutions? Why are we forced to take this data from Thailand? is bizarre that as far as I'm aware, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know of any other prospective study looking at vaccine side effects in this age group. Why on earth not? You think they would have done, wouldn't you? Don't want to find out, did he? Oh, what? Really? That sounds rather conspiratorial. I don't think so, no. Why has it not been done then? (laughs) I don't know. We'll let the audience decide. Mm. Maybe. Um, the biggest sort of concern is, uh, particularly with this age group, seems to be the myocarditis, the heart damage. Mm. So um, in this study of 300, we have this. Um, so clinical um, myopericarditis confirmed in one patient. Now, if this is one out of 300, that is an alarmingly high number as well as all these other things that are greatly concerning. These are high, high percentages, very high percentages. But that, this, if it's one in 300, we need bigger studies on this. Why hasn't this been duplicated um, in the UK or the States or Canada or Australia? Yeah, it's weird because I thought like myocarditis was maybe one in 100,000. Like I'm sure the, the people said it was one in 100,000, not one in 300. Mm. But anyway, uh, let's move on because um, that's like the most serious thing they found was some because that's quite serious myocarditis. Um, yes. But there are other issues that he's going to ram off for us. Two patients had suspected pericarditis. So unconfirmed, suspected. Mm. Four patients had suspected subclinical myocarditis. Subclinical. So they had the biomarkers, is, yeah. troponin is one. This, yeah, this is the thing, isn't it? It's, uh, with the myocarditis, it's, it goes, it's on a scale, isn't it? From quite mild to, you know, you wouldn't even know you've had it to, you know, you need a heart transplant. Mm. We might come on to that, the uh, subclinical. Mm, He's got an interesting uh, take on the subclinical my- myocarditis. Mm. And three patients had a minimal uh, pericardial effusion. That's water uh, swelling around the heart. It's not supposed to happen. Well, no. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so they're they're obviously... One in 300, that seems like a lot. And then he he mentions the subclinical myocarditis where there was four out of the 300. So what's what's that? More than 1%, more than 1 in 100, isn't it? I guess. Mm. Uh, Let's see what what his take is on... uh, the risks of mm, subclinical myocarditis. It might, um, it might connect a couple of dots that that we've been thinking about over the last year. Now, in 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 a sense, the the complication that's concerning me more is uh, four patients had suspected clinical uh, subclinical myocarditis. Now, it's subclinical, therefore, they wouldn't be experiencing clinical features. 
So this could have happened many times. We, we don't know because we haven't looked. But when they looked, they found that these patients, four patients out of the 301, had uh, subclinical myocarditis, inflammation of the myocardium. And the point about this is, if the myocardium is inflamed and you exercise, the myocardium, when it's inflamed, is more excitable. It can generate abnormal electrical activities. And instead of the regular activity, the risk is, the biggest risk is, that you'll get uh, a coordinated, chaotic uh, series of semi-contractions in the myocardium, and it just sort of flickers, and we call that ventricular fibrillation. Or another word for that is a cardiac arrest, which is more frightening. So if we look at the journal here, this is, this is from the journal Circulation, pretty definitive. A myocarditis and sudden death in young adults. So this is pre-pandemic data. There's the link. But here's the point. Myocarditis accounts for up to 20% of sudden deaths, sudden cardiac deaths in young adults. Um, and they're more likely to have um, a sudden cardiac death if the myocardium is inflamed compared to if the myocardium is not inflamed. So, I mean, the one thing we can be definitive about, this has got nothing to do with the, the footballers collapsing. <laughs> Let's just nail that down. It's completely unrelated. Mm. Um, but good news. Um, the UK is the first country to sign off the new Moderna bivalent Bivalent jab. What's this? The the booster program that's starting now for the autumn. Yeah. So you get um, it's two two magic juices in one and melded together. What's this? Yeah, you, you get the original strain, which doesn't right. exist. Okay. Anymore, <laughs> and you get the Omicron one strain from November last year, which doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. What are we on to now? What's the prevalent strain? BA five. Okay. I think we're on the sixth iteration of Omicron. Mm. It'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. Moderna are a stand-up company, and uh, I'd recommend that. Well, yeah. let's... Because um, John, Dr. John's had his, uh, his letter. Uh, now, for me personally, this is my letter. <laughs> so I, I, I've been sent a letter to go for a booster. Um, I think the reason I've got on this uh, list is that... Um, I've uh, I probably told you before, it's, it's no great confidence. I've started on meds for blood pressure. I'm working on lifestyle factors so I can get, get off them, but um, I'm, I'm still working on that. You and me both, John. He's, he's, he's going to have the facts, doesn't he? Yeah, and those uh, double glenfiddics. <laughs> uh, use it, yeah, he's uh, self-tranquilising. So I'm on these blood pressure meds, so... That probably puts me at slightly higher risk. But then again, the blood pressure is well controlled, so, so hopefully not. Um, anyway, um, of course, I can't advise you what to do, but I have no plans to have a booster this autumn for COVID. Um, that's entirely my personal thinking, uh, not advice for you in any way, shape or form. Interesting. Mm. It's interesting. Like I said, I've been watching his journey for the last year and a half. It's definitely changed, hasn't he? What he's saying and how he's saying things. Uh, the worm is turning. Mm. Uh, was it Walensky, head of the CDC, came out this week? Mm. <laughs> we were. We need a root and branch reform of the CDC because of the horrendous way we've handled COVID. I've handled COVID. <laughs> 
So um, I don't know who's going to get pinned. It'll be some layer of middle management. It's just going to get yeah. pinned with all this shit. You know, the people right at the top will, uh, will just slink away. But yeah, there's um, stuff coming out of Israel in the last 24 hours as well. Um, I can't. I can't verify it because I don't read Hebrew. <laughs> but, um, there's some, yeah, we'll save that. I think that's going to develop over the next week and maybe there'll be something to say about that next week regarding uh, what the Israeli government knew and didn't know or decided not to share with the public while it was rolling out certain medical products. That's now um, been leaked. Zoom conversation's been leaked and... Uh, We'll see. We'll see what happens, whether they manage to stamp on it or uh, whether this develops. But, yeah, I thought, yeah, a bit of COVID news. But um, mm. completely unrelated, um, this is a great story, and I think it's particularly good because um, I don't think anyone basically in the UK or maybe even the, or the US will have heard of this story. Have you heard of Dolo 650? No. No. Okay, interesting. Right. This is a, a tale of two headlines, this. Dolo Pill breaks record, sales record in the pandemic as manufacturer makes a fortune. This is from uh, January this year. The COVID-19 pandemic has made several healthcare and pharma players billionaires and the makers of Dolo 650. So a wonder pill from India. That's been like a meme pill. People have been memeing it. Like, this is the go-to thing right. when you test positive. Um, this Dolo 650. And it's, um, I don't know, shall I, shall, I, shall I, yeah, grab the story and just give a bit more detail on this? Uh, this is from um, businessstandard.com, this uh, January article. Dolo 650, let me just scroll up. Um, the COVID-19 pandemic has made several healthcare and pharma players billionaires and the makers of Dolo 650, the most prescribed medicine during the pandemic, having sold more than 350 crore pills. That crore is an Indian term. It means 10 million. So 350 times 10 million, that'd be three and a half billion, would it? Yeah, I was just going to say, three and a half billion pills. Since Fuck. since the COVID out outbreak in March 2020, and they're raking in the moolah too. As per the data from healthcare research firm ICVIA. Oh, I actually have this printed out. I thought I printed it out. Uh, India is... What is it? It's essentially a paracetamol. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, as, as per the data from healthcare research firm ICVIA, IQVIA, India sold nearly 7.5 crore strips of Dolo, a paracetamol tablet manufactured by, by Bengaluru-based Microlabs Limited. Um, Dolo, which is currently the most prescribed fever medicine for COVID-19 patients, registered a turnover of, this is in rupees, 307 crore, so 307 times 10 million, uh, rupees in 2021, according to the data. In comparison, GSK Pharmaceuticals Calpol had turned over 310 crore. So similar, similar numbers. Um, somehow, the Dolo 650 brand has become synonymous with fever among the pandemic. Out of nowhere, how does this happen? Is the question. It's just popped into existence. 
Let's see uh, a headline from this week. Dolo 650 tablet makers gave millions to Indian doctors for prescriptions, Supreme Court told. And uh, here we have some details from Weon. Palkishama Upadei. The makers of Dolo have been accused of bribing doctors. That's Bribing doctors. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought they'd given him free pills, but they were giving him millions of rupees, not pills. India's tax authority says this is a very serious charge. It raises a much broader problem, the problem of pharma corruption. In February this year, 50 neurologists were found guilty of accepting sponsored trips from a pharma company. And now we have the case of Dolo. And call it what you will, but I don't find this surprising. It's something that's been very openly and obviously been happening in front of our very eyes and we chose to ignore. We know that doctors prescribe medicines only from certain selected brands. Those medicines are usually available at stores linked to those doctors or in their vicinity. None of this is illegal, but it does create enough room for manipulation. In India, we say doctors are next to God. They save lives, and they do, most of them. But those who take bribes to prescribe medicines must be punished. Got some uh, more details from the Weon website. So uh, the mechanism of how this worked and why it's called Dolo 650. This is an important detail. Uh, Supreme Court of India on Thursday, August the 18th, was told by a non-governmental organisation that India's Central Board of Direct Taxes had accused makers of the medicine Dolo of giving about $120 million worth of freebies to doctors to make them prescribe 650 milligram dosages of the drug. Dolo is an anti-inflammatory, antipyretic medicine that has become extremely popular in India during the pandemic and was prescribed by most doctors for treating symptoms of the COVID infection. A bench of justices, um, D.Y. Chandra Chud and A.S. Bhopana, was told by senior advocate Sanjay Parikh and advocate Aparna Bhatt, appearing for petitioner... Federation of Medical and Sales Representatives Association of India that the market price of any tablets under 500 grams, this is the key, the market price of any tablet up to 500 milligrams is regulated under price control mechanism of the government. But the price of drugs above 500 milligrams can be fixed by the manufacturing pharmaceutical company. The advocates told the court that the company tried to ensure a higher profit margin by offering freebies to doctor to prescribe Dolo in 650 milligram tablets. So, um, so is that a slightly higher dose? It's like a, oh, yeah. a, a paracetamol in the UK is normally 500, normally 500 aren't they? Yeah. So that's that's reminiscent of the uh, oxycontin breakthrough pain thing, mm. where they just kept doubling the the uh, uh, how many milligrams were in each um, tablet they were doing. So it was like I think I don't know if it started with a ten milligram or a five milligram, then it became a ten, a twenty, a forty, a sixty. So they got to like a hundred. That was milligrams. That was due to tolerance, though, wasn't it? Yeah, was this, and then they made up this term and did and funded a lot of research, which was called breakthrough pain. Mm. Um, sort of saying that it's not that the it's not that the drug doesn't work. No, it's not that the, these people are becoming addicts and 
um, is no longer effective. It's um, the pain basically needs treating. Yeah. Uh, this is more sort of just to get round regulation so they can fix the price. Right. Yeah. They'll spend $120 million bribing doctors for it. Yeah. Mm. Yes. I mean, like they've got fuck you money now, haven't they? If they're billionaires, <laughs> it's just it's Applehood and Mother Pie. Applehood and Mother Pie and Dolo. Uh, uh, your low six fifty is. <laughs> yeah, and they wonder why all these certain medications that have been around for fifty years just sort of got squashed. You know, mm. you know those really cheap. One begins with an I. Are we not allowed to say these on here now? Well, everyone knows. Come on, mm. you know. So yeah, I thought that was uh, that was kind of interesting. I thought it's important to uh, raise those issues. Mm. All right, let's move on. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. It's a value for value podcast. If you find this podcast valuable, please consider returning some value. There's a myriad of ways of doing this, and my favourite way, as ever, is word of mouth. Tell people, mm. share a link, drop links in, in people, come in your mouth. I said, put it in your mouth. Put it in your mouth, yeah. And uh, spread the love. Help us uh, expand, expand our reach, you know, post links in Discord servers and Facebook groups. and mm, Yeah, us, join the Discord. Tag us and things. Yeah, Discord's a good place, isn't it, if you want to become a producer, yeah. if you want to drop your eavesdropping ways and become a producer of the show. What can you do in the Discord, Matt? Uh, you can join the Discord for a start. Just uh, a start. Link in the show notes. Mm. And then, you know, once you're in the Discord... Uh, both myself and Armishville will wave to you and say hello. I will know. I usually drop a hilarious gif. Yeah, I mean, it's the same three on rotation, but we won't go into that. Um, yeah, uh, but, you know, once you're in the Discord, what you can then do is you can suggest guests you could send links to articles. You can post videos. You mm. can ask for some focus chi. I think we had a request oh. this week. Yes, we have got a focus chi request. Um, it's from Helen uh, in the in the correct thread in the Discord. I appreciate that, Helen. Yeah, in the right place, <laughs> easy to find. Uh, here we go. This is from Helen. Can I order a large portion of chi, please? Yes. My fellow Occult Rejects podcast community came together and bought me a spanking new MacBook Air. Ooh. Um, as I've been without a computer for about 10 years. Can you send the chi to every single one of them in thanks for the amazing gift they got me? Absolutely. Oh. So we know how this works. It's going to be tricky to aim for the prostate in so many different men and, you know, the ovaries for the women. I am going to aim for the prostate in the men. I'm going to aim for the pineal gland. Okay. Okay. I stand looking. It's time to focus your chi. Ready, team? Mm -hmm. It's go time.
there. Hope that, hope that hits the spot. Yeah. It was a good one. It felt chunky. Chunky chi. Yeah. Ew. Yeah, it's been a long time since we dusted off the chi, isn't it? You might want to get your, your chi... <laughs> your chi pipe looked at. Yeah, I will do on Monday. Chi sprayer? <laughs> how does it... How is it emitted, do you think? The chi? Mm. Um, I imagine it's from sort of uh, the prostate. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. I was going to say from the heart chakra. But uh, oh. you're a filthy bitch. So. Yeah. What else can you do on the uh, Discord? Show artwork. Show artwork. We have new. Okay. Uh, we have new new artwork every week for this for the uh, podcast for the Spotify. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a thread there if, if any of you artistic folks want to mm. um, submit show artwork. <laughs> and I should say, it, it doesn't have to be episode-specific, like a generic show mm. artwork that just fits in with the themes. Like, um, I remember Lee from the Big Conspire Centre's one uh, a few weeks ago, and it was like the three monkeys, the mm. hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil monkeys and that sort of uh you know if you think it fits in with the themes we like evergreen show artwork it comes in if like a guest if we have a, a guest no show show mm. um no submissions this week so i had to uh had to make this incoming <laughs> nice i like the colors vivid isn't it uh, mm, it pops and the background's quite a a monochrome palette you and then that, I've got I've got accents of I've got Nikki's face in the middle, which is obviously coloured, mm. and accents of, of pinks and blues hues. Mm. Yeah, I think it pops. I, I think it's good. I think it's good for an amateur. I think I think you've done fine. Yeah, I'll, I'll take fine. Like Stella yeah. would have been nice, yeah. but whatever. Mm. Um, how else can you become a producer? Send us some uh, buy some merch. Go to the merch, get your bacon nuts t-shirts and mugs and pint glasses. What, you mean like this one? Exactly, yeah. Bacon nuts premium tea. None of that, none of that. None of that. <laughs> 26, 26 quid for a small one. <laughs> They're all the same price. They're not more if you want to XL. This isn't Primark shit. This is premium. I know, yeah. Silky. Why, Why? you know, spend the extra few quid and get a nice fitting, nice feeling T-shirt. That's my uh, philosophy on T-shirts. <laughs> philosophy. Um, did you get, did you like my, uh, I slipped a Diogenes joke in there when we were talking about Nikki, uh, when we were talking with Nikki. Yeah, about uh, Plato. <laughs> He's not Diogenes. Have you heard of that yeah. guy, Diogenes of Sinope? I've heard of Diogenes, yeah, but I couldn't tell you anything about him. Fucking mad lad. Is he a mad lad? Absolute mad lad. He was contemporary of Plato and Socrates. Right. And uh, he's famous for being, like, one of the founding members of the Cynic School of Philosophy, (laughs) of Greek philosophy. (laughs) Now, what would that entail? Well, it's not like it sounds, to be honest. It's mainly ascetic. Okay. And it's like being subversive and testing cultural norms and shit like that. So he, so he didn't uh, partake in uh, 
Uh, I can't say anything. What? Partaking? Well, you know, all the usual Greek things. Oh, right. Pederasty. Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. He slept in a jar at the market. Slept in a big clay jar. Uh, very ascetic, uh, completely just... rejected materialism and things and comfort. And he was famous for his stunts. So, like, uh, <laughs> when, uh, if, like, Plato or Socrates was lecturing, he'd, he'd ramble up and he'd, like, bring food and start eating and passing food out and get everyone eating so they were making a lot of noise. Yeah. <laughs> Another of his stunts was he used to walk around with a lamp at daytime, mm. just waiting for someone to bite, you know, walking around with his lamp. And someone would come and say, hey, Dirtenies, it's the middle of the day. Why are you carrying a lamp? And he'd go, I'm looking for an honest man. Oh. <laughs> and um, he famously met Ale- Alexander the Great. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, when uh, Alexander the Great was touring Greece and uh, he landed in Corinth, which is where Diogenes landed up. And, like, you know, can you imagine, like, the fanfare? Alexander is, like, the most powerful, famous man in the world. And he turns up in your hometown. All the throng, the thousands of people come to see him. Who is this legendary figure that everyone has heard about? This guy who is... You know, he's, he's going to conquer the world, essentially. And uh, Diogenes is like, oh, I don't give a shit. I'm fucking bothering like <laughs> And um, Alexander had heard of Diogenes. He's like, why, why is he not here? Why has he not come to meet him? Where is he? So someone says, oh, he's over there. He's, he's over there lying in the sun. In the jar. <laughs> he's just lying in the sun. <laughs> so Alexander wanders over to him. And says, uh, you're Diogenes, aren't you? He said, uh, yeah. And I'm what? <laughs> and uh, Alexander says, um, is, is there anything I can do for you? And Diogenes goes, uh, yeah, just move a little to the side. You're in my son. Wow. The balls on this guy. And according to the story, Alexander walked away. And said, uh, "If I was not Alexander, truly, I would be. I would want to be Diogenes of Sinop." Right. Okay. Very romantic story of, mm. of a mad lad. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've got anything. I don't think there's any extant writings. I don't know if he wrote anything down. Probably didn't. He wouldn't, he wouldn't do, would he? If he was uh, an ascetic to that degree. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Don't care. I don't care if anyone wants to write what I know. Exactly. I'm, I'm in the moment. Mm. It influence, he influenced the Stoicism, the Stoic arm of uh, Greek and later Roman philosophy, I think. Mm. Uh, yeah, what a legend. Um, we were housekeeping, weren't we? Mm. Where were we up to? I think we were just on to the last one. Oh, how do you become... What's the best way to become a producer of the Army's Inquisition? Tosses a coin, man. Toss a coin to your witcher. Absolutely. Do it for the lads. The lads. 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 You know, because, oh, we're northern and we're bloody miserable and the weather's fucking shit. If you go to the armsinquisition.com, 
sign up for uh, there's a PayPal button there you can give us a one-off donation sign up for a monthly recurring sustaining donation donations at a level of £50 or above or $50 uh, dollar, dollar dues or dollars or Canadian dollars will grant you the rank the status the cachet the social standing the degree of executive producer for that episode which looks shit hot on your curriculum vitae and your LinkedIn and uh, and all that shit so yeah save Plotland help us out and save Plotland um, yeah. there's also if, you, if you're not um, comfortable going through the website we have we now have uh, Patreon and buys a coffee mm. they can do those things mm. and they, they take a small fee so it's up to you it's uh, another way if you want to help us out it all helps mm. well I think it's time isn't it it's time to big up the man Dems. Yo. Bit of a make good from last week. Because <laughs> we didn't thank anyone last week. Uh, producers for episode 244. We've got Danny G. Sorry for missing you last week. Thank you for your donation. Uh, we've got Nick, uh, Lee, Helen, uh, Bunyan up. Thank you. You're so amazing. They are. Yeah. So amazing in their love. They know what they're doing, Leia. Literally. The best mate. Because I'm literally a communist. The dwarf. The currants. The grape. The homophobe. The winds. The asthma. The cornwall. Cunts. The number 11. The blind man. The fallen on the horizon. The cripple and the mother of the funny bickering. From hell. Bailon. I don't get it. never will. Thing is, what you do, you call between the devil and the rock at a hard place. Come on, man. And Corn Pop was a bad dude. Asna! Yep, thanks for your support for the wings. Greatly appreciated. Mm. And uh, speaking of uh, LinkedIn and curriculum vitae and whatnot, I am starting a new job a week on Monday. What is it? Period dignity officer. Oh, <laughs> I can't wait. Sounds like a cushy number, thirty six grand a year. I mean who, who what was, I didn't really read this story other than knowing that it was a man. Um where was it at? Scotland. Tay? The whole of Scotland. <laughs> I think it was a sector. A sector of Scotland. Is it, is it like a, a was it a council job then or something? It was some. It was a local government, I think, position. And the Scottish yeah. government have said we've they've washed their hands of it. It was nothing to do with me. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a, a marketing job, really. Well, it's about ensuring distribution of um, free mm, menstrual uh, effects products. <laughs> Three minstrels. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I signed up. Yeah. I like a minstrel. Or oh, the rich. I like them, though. At the cinema as well. A nice bag of minstrels. No? I know they go especially well with a, a nice hot cup of coffee as well. A minstrel. Yeah, we drop them in. Drop them in like a filthy bitch. No, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
what I would do is I would allow the coffee to melt the minstrel. Yeah, I'd allow the co- the co- the coffee to melt the minstrel within its casing. What about uh, put a minstrel in your mouth and then take a mouthful of coffee and just let the, yeah. the heat do its work? Yeah, that's basically what I'm saying, yeah. And I got news for you. That means you're gay. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> that's like... It's like a higher, uh, like a peak experience, basically. What else do you? Uh, what else do you put in your mouth and wait for it to melt? Oh, Willie G. Um, sometimes uh, my mum will buy me a dairy milk Oreo. I do that with that. What the farage? Really? Yeah. Oreos. I don't get Oreos. It's an American no, it's thing. A dairy milk Oreo. What's the difference? You know, I, you know what a dairy milk is, don't you? you no, know a dairy milk slab of chocolate is. Yeah, and then you can get an Oreo version of that. I thought Oreo was a biscuit. It is. But this, this dairy milk, what it's got is in the middle some some of that weird white stuff, whatever it's supposed to be within the Oreo, and some crushed up Oreo biscuits, and it's bob on. Wow, is it? Party central. <laughs> It is when that my mum remembers to get me that instead of the Dame one. Uh, I saw Dime bars at the shop today. They're called Dime again instead of Dame. Oh well, I just maybe it was just brand recognition, but I just thought, oh, Dime bars. Yeah, they're a thing still. Are, are they still a thing? Is it not? Um, is it not offensive? <laughs> Only at uh, a certain primary school in 1991. <laughs> well, that's what you used to call someone who was a retard, a dime bar. Yeah, at a certain school 30 years ago. Yeah. Not literally a retard, someone who did something retarded. Mm. Or, you know, someone, it was an insult, a put down. You're a dime bar. Mm. So yeah. are, they, are they allowed to sell them now? That's yeah. why it's called Dame. You had to change the name, what, because of high school? I assume so, yeah. <laughs> that must have been nationwide. Well, of course. Well, I don't know. Was it not something to do with, like, I seem to remember a dime bar advert with an aardvark in. Did it not? I'm, I'm getting notes of Harry Enfield. Was it something to do with Harry Enfield? Did he start yeah. the craze calling was people dime bars? Maybe. I don't know. Da, da, da. No, Chungus never seems so sus, so sus, so sus. He vents to electrical. Yeah, mm. armadillo, armadillo was it? Right, it's it's all making sense now. Yeah. Um, what time are we on? Quarter to eleven. Time. time to go. Yeah. Mm. Uh, right. Let's um, let's just. Let's just cover Doug Ford, the uh, Premier of Ontario. Okay, go on. He had a, a run-in with a bee <laughs> at a press conference. Oh. Uh, government perceived the Premier oh. is coming from the Oh, he's got his mouth. Holy Christ. Oh, fuck. I just pulled a bee. Oh, my Holy Christ. I knew that was... He's supposed to be silent. Could you not hear it? No. You couldn't hear that. No. Uh, government per se, the the premier is coming from the health sector. <laughs> Holy Christ. 
Hang on. Wait, let's just go to uh, Doug Ford B, Advanced Audio Properties. Monitor, mute output. Oh, is it got him good? He fucking swallows it, man. All right, let's try this. So tell me if you can hear this. The government, per se, the premier, is coming from the health sector? No. 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 It might go through on the stream. Uh, see, we're not used to doing this on Zoom, are we? Oh, fucking yeah. hell. It's going to fuck us up, this. <laughs> Why can't you hear it? I don't know. Desktop audio. Uh, local file. It's not some simple like I don't know. If they tick the but the button that says include audio on Zoom. No, it's not going into Zoom. All right. Oh no, it's not, is it? Uh, government per se, but the premier is coming from the Can't hear that. No. no. Shame this is live, isn't it? We could have uh, texted this, uh, tested this. Monitor only, mute output. All right, let's do monitor and output. I think this might fuck the stream up, but let's give it a go. Can you hear this? The government per se, but the premier no. is coming from the health. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Well, no, it's going to fuck up the end of the show. There's four videos lined up. Yeah, Matt can uh, hear it. Why can't uh, you hear it? I don't know. I don't have all the answers, Phil. You can hear my voice. Why can't you hear what I'm playing? I don't know. You can, hear, can you hear my soundboard? Thank you for yeah. watching. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can pretend I can hear them if you like. Don't get sad. It's the last 10 minutes. Yeah, the best bit. <laughs> I'll fucking hear it. Properties, broadcaster. That's right. Even my faders are up here. Faders are firing. Why can't you hear it? Oh, desktop audio, default, speakers, Rollcaster Pro. Let's try this. Lost the clip now. Doug Ford B. Uh, government per se, but the premier is coming from the health sector. No. It's like I can hear it. I don't know if I can hear it from your headphones being picked up from your mic. You're saying it's quiet. Could, yeah, but I don't know if, yeah, it's like super quiet. <sighs> Sorry about this, folks. I thought we'd done, I'm sure we'd done this before and it worked. Mm -mm. Mute. Audio settings, 
speaker microphone Rodecaster Pro. Signal processing. I don't get it. Let's try a different clip. What about this one? Welcome and. Does he keep doing it? Hold on. Hold on. I can't hear that one either. Ah, uh, must be on your end. Must be on your end. I can hear everything else. Yeah. I don't know. Got everything up here. Desktop audio. I finally got him. Yeah. You know he's been <laughs> he's been he's been hanging around for a while. He's twice the size that he came in at. I'm telling you. And I, I'll, I'll tell you, might as well get rid of all the B jokes. I've heard them all all weekend. And but I heard a lot of conspiracy theorists too. And I'm not going to name the mayor, but one mayor calls me up and said, "You know something, Doug? You got to be careful of those opposition B drones now." Warm welcome and. <laughs> He basically fakes uh, coughing the bee back up again. Why? At another press conference. Just for a jape. For the, for the lols. Yeah, just for a jape. Mm-hmm. What a mad lad. What a Diogenes. Hold on. Oh. I finally got him. You know, he's been... <laughs> he's been He's been hanging around for a while. But I heard a lot of conspiracy theorists too, and I'm not going to name the mayor, but one mayor calls me up and said, you know something, Doug, you got to be careful of those opposition bee drones now. Warm welcome. And- yeah, that didn't, doesn't make sense. You should be able to hear it, but never mind. Well, it kind of reminded me of... Um, what we were talking about last week, seen from uh, the Wicker Man, Nicholas Cage. You've gone to great lengths as well, haven't you, to secure these clips? Oh. What is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! Oh, no, my eyes! My eyes! Ah! Ah! What the hell? That's great. It's uh, it's even better if you play it a bit faster. What is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the beast! Not the beast! Ah! Oh, no, ah! ah! <laughs> when is this film from? <laughs> not the beast! Not the beast! I don't yeah, know. It's it's it. That's not even the best clip. Um... The best, uh, my favourite part is his ass whooping. Nick Cage going around twatting women. Let's see it. <laughs> it's Kathy Bates. Yeah. <laughs> wow, God, what a left hook he's got. This wouldn't get put in the film these days, oh, would just, it? Just watch this, this jab, <laughs> this jab coming up. Yeah, see nothing. He's going to finish it now. It's like uh, Mortal Kombat, this. And then he's going to kick it through the side of the cabin now. 
Oh, me? Is he like a ninja? <laughs> Is he like kicking... <coughs> kicking some sense? Oh, it's amazing. Just, uh, yeah, there's another good bit where he's in the bear costume, but I won't spoil it. you got to watch it. If, if you haven't seen Nick Cage's... Um... I haven't seen that, no. I'm, gonna, I'm just looking it up now to see where you can... Oh, I can get it on Prime. Oh, my God. I have to watch it then. Well, that's tomorrow night sorted. Yeah. Oh, good God. That looks terrible. Yeah, it's a class. It's a classic. It's a modern classic. Mm. Highly recommended. Right, should we sign off? I think so. Praise yeah. Chabalon. And all the Elohim. Epic dub. Mm. We're uh, back next week. We're going to be yep. talking about where art came from. Put it that way. Uh, yeah. Some small... A sm- yeah, small topic there. Oh, yeah. It's a returning guest. It'll be good. Yeah. Talking about, yeah, old uh, cave paintings and stuff. Ooh. Very old cave paintings. Well, hope you're entertained. Are you not entertained? Uh, sayonara, suckers. See you next week. See ya. Bye. Sorry. I love you. Thank you for watching. I can't have children with a whore. Vegan. And sausage roll. Party. Central. Boot your teacher out of My name is Evan. <laughs> That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Oh, Willie G. Isle of Cox. Isle of Cox. What have I done?